on page 88 says Darlene. And uh, it means uh, blessed one. Somebody said, you believe that? I said, well, she got me. <laughs> I had to figure, you know. <laughs> now, listen, let me tell you something, okay? My mom and dad are coming uh, uh, Thursday. They're flying up here, and they're going to be here a whole month. Now, I'm going to act different when they're up here, okay? So, <laughs> I thought I'd tell you all that, so... If you, if you wonder what happened to me for the month, well, then it's because they're around, see. So I uh, thought so I'd tell you that. For the, you want your book back, Heidi? If anybody wants to know what their name really means, then uh, you might look it up. <clears throat> Somebody else around here may be blessed. <laughs> well, praise God. You know, we had such a great minister's meeting, didn't we? I say ministers. <coughs> it wasn't just for ministers, ministers and lay leaders. And Brother Pugh just really blessed our hearts. He really did bless our hearts. He's just so down to earth, and and uh, yet his teaching is so deep. Just uh, it really is. Just was wonderful. You, uh, how many of you were there Friday night? <clears throat> All right. You know, uh, there are just so many things that take place. And you don't really know what it's all about. Did you see that young man up the front, right in the middle of the aisle, while Brother Pugh was talking there, dancing in the Spirit? How many of you saw him? You know, Brother Pugh talked to us about dancing in the Spirit. <coughs> I asked somebody, who is that? They told me his name. I didn't know. I don't remember his name yet. But uh, at any rate, they said uh, he was filled with the Holy Ghost back uh, about a year ago, I think it was. And he... he uh, Went away right right away. He left the the church to go back to his job. What the deal is, he is a, a pitcher in uh, a major league club. It's for the Atlanta Barons, Birmingham. Pardon me, Barons, and that's a farm club of the Detroit Tigers. And uh, this young man posted a record of twenty one six. And taught search for truth all during the... Can you believe that? All Didn't really know much about the church, but he taught search for truth all to, to a lot of people in the camp down there. And he's been called up to uh, play with the Detroit Tigers this year because of his uh, outstanding record in his ERA average. He's uh, just a, an outstanding boy. And he's already signed up two of the Detroit Tigers to teach him search for truth. That's something. Can you believe that? Praise God. It's just a, it's, it's really amazing. And uh, he doesn't really know that much about the church or anything. See, he's just uh, new in the Lord and uh, uh, he just thinks baseball is a thing to do. <laughs> you know, and just uh, teach everybody there, search for truth. And <clears throat> praise God. So they, they may take the, uh, where do the Tigers play anyway? Yeah, they play in Detroit. <clears throat> Well, <clears throat> you know, we talk about coliseums and everything. And uh, <clears throat> now I'm just—I don't really know this, but they—they uh, they have in not in Detroit, but in Pontiac, they have a silver dome, isn't it? And we're always talking about—we'd like to fill up a coliseum, and uh, he just may get over there and uh, and uh, fill it up. <laughs> 
Praise God. It'd be great to see a sweeping apostolic Holy Ghost revival uh, on a particular level in which uh, it is noted throughout the world. And we're really praying for that. You know, the, the, the great move of the Lord just cannot be stopped. The church of the living God is definitely moving through the land. Brother Pugh told me he had a chance to attend uh, a regional convention that was held by the Assembly of God Church. Now, if we have anybody here that's a member of the Assembly of God Church, uh, please do not take this offensively. I'm not, I'm not really meaning it to be that way. But uh, they have had such a great charismatic uh, uh, influence in their church that it's kind of pulled their allegiance away from their organization. And they have a lot of ministers that have gone independent. Well, Brother Pugh met a couple of these ministers on a plane, and they told him that they were having a regional meeting, and they would invite him. They'd just send him a notification as to when and so forth. Well, about a year ago, he received notification. It was to be held in Las Vegas. So he went, and he said they just had a huge uh, auditorium full of their ministers. And, of course, this is a regional meeting, and uh, they started out discussing... You know, what are we going to do with the charismatic influence in our church? And, of course, largely the charismatic influence has uh, been a deteriorating factor uh, in their organization because uh, so many of their ministers have gone charismatic. Now, when we say charismatic, please understand that, that the Assembly of God people have spoken with tongues and endorsed the the uh, gift of the Holy Ghost, not from the standpoint that we endorse it, but nevertheless they they have done this. They started out talking about it, but the thing that that uh, they ended up talking about was not the charismatics. They said, what are we going to do with the oneness people, the Jesus name people? And uh, <clears throat> he found out uh, since the early days of 1900 that that's one of been one of their greatest concerns. What are we going to do about the oneness people? Praise God. Well, what can you do about the truth? See, Paul said you can do nothing against but for. You start fighting the truth. It's a, you know, it's a strange thing how, how this works. You know, let me just explain something here to you that, uh, that might be beneficial to somebody. You know, uh, in the world of entertainment... Uh, most of the actors or actresses, they they like publicity. And they will tell you, it doesn't make any difference whether it's good or bad. Just give it to us. You tell anything you want to tell on me. Just make sure you tell. And the reason why is because when their name becomes a household product name, where it's just commonly spoken and it's widespread, uh, their movies will sell like hotcakes, see? If hotcakes sell good, you know, whatever sells good. But it sells like Brother George's popcorn. And uh, so so they say just publicity doesn't make any difference. And the reason why they say this is because that familiarity takes away skepticism. And uh, what I have observed, and I think this is one of the greatest benefits of the bus ministry, is that our buses running up and down the streets, big blue and white buses, remove skepticism relative to Calvary Gospel Church. Things that are unknown to you, you become skeptical of it. 
So in these last days, you're going to see more and more and more opposition to the truth. But it's necessary to have that because during this time, you're going to see more and more people looking at the truth. You see, skepticism then is removed and people begin to look at it. Not from a critical standpoint, but what do they really believe and what do they teach? You see, if they don't even know we're around, then they'll, they can't look into it. See? So, when persecution comes your way, the Bible says that we should rejoice. Praise God. People know we're around. And there's going to be a certain amount of people that will just uh, oppose us. They won't like it. But aren't you glad that you have the truth? Praise God. I'm so glad I've got the truth of God in my heart. Praise God. And so in the very near future, you know, you, you, you won't have the opportunity, but uh, somebody will walk up to maybe the, the manager of the Detroit Tiger team or team, teammates or somebody or said, you know anything about, the, you ever heard about the, the apostolic Jesus name, Holy Roller Church? Oh, yeah, we, we know all about their doctrine. They believe in one God. They believe in Jesus' name, baptism. They believe in holiness. They believe in the gifts of the Spirit. How do you know? Well, they gave me a Bible study. Praise God. I've been out there to, to Brother Grisham's church. and You were just over there, weren't you? I've, I've been out to, to Brother uh, uh, Parent's church there in, in Pontiac. I don't know if you got, had a chance to go there, but uh, praise God. And you see, it's this kind of advertisement that uh, will be in the forefront. Uh, in order for the church to have the great revival that it needs. Praise God. And oh, I tell you, we need to tell the world about the saving name of Jesus. <coughs> Pardon me. <coughs> Take your Bibles and turn with me tonight. Oh, Sister Grant's leaving, so. <coughs> Here she is. All right. <coughs> well, praise God. You know, I'm really blessed to have Sister Grant. Don't you think? Sister Grant, come back. Sit down. <laughs> Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. I, I just feel good, don't you? How many people feel good tonight? <laughs> hallelujah. You know, there is a, a chorus that we sing around here, and we have to be in a particular mood to sing it. Otherwise, it doesn't go over too good, and a lot of people don't appreciate it. But uh, <clears throat> praise God. <clears throat> hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Now, can you believe that, that I have to put up with her all the time, Debbie? <laughs> She's living with us now. Can you? Isn't that something? Now, if you notice a remarkable change in her... And uh, if, if you notice, if you've noticed over the last month or so that she has gotten to be so sweet and so nice, then then you know why she's been she's been around her uncle. So, well, the truth of the matter is, I don't see her much. Uh, she got some interest on the southwest side. <clears throat> Praise God. I'll tell you, somebody says, preach. <clears throat> Praise God. I remember uh, when Sister Grant and I were dating, I gave her a teddy bear. 
And uh, she just liked that teddy bear so much. Just so much. Praise God. And everybody needs a teddy. Praise God. <laughs> so, <laughs> <that's>, uh, <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> okay, let's sing this song. Okay. Ho, 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 ho. Praise God. <laughs> Now you got to be, you got to be in a special mood. You got to feel victory in your soul to sing this one the way you need to sing it. Otherwise, you can't appreciate it. It's one that we sing with the Sunday school kids. Praise God! Ho 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 Hosanna! Ha ha Hallelujah! He 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 save me! I've got the joy of the Lord. Would you stand? the joy of the Lord. Ho, 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 ho. Now everybody stand. We're going to be reading the word of the Lord in just a moment. Praise God. And Jesus did save us, you know what? <laughs> he did take our sins away. He cast them into the sea of forgetfulness and promised never to remember them again. Praise God. And the reason why that we can feel so great and glorious like we're feeling now, Paul says in Romans 12, There is now therefore no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus who are born not of the flesh but who walk after God. That Romans 8. I said Romans 12. Praise God. No condemnation. And aren't you glad that Jesus just came and took that load of guilt and shame and condemnation? Praise God. Ho, 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 Hosanna. Ha, ha, hallelujah. He, 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 he saved me. I've got the joy of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. All right, now take your Bibles and turn to Romans 12. I guess this is why I said Romans 12 instead of Romans 8. But we want to read verse 3. And verse 3 is the... Scripture that I want to use for my message tonight. Romans 3, For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. And you may be seated. <clears throat> now, I want to talk about your measure of faith. <clears throat> your measure of faith. The word measure here really means proportion or degree. Just like we would say, uh, what uh, percentage 
of this glass is full of water? Or what percentage of this glass? How much do we have in it, proportionally speaking? This one's about, what, two-thirds full? This one's about maybe three-eighths full. And uh, the scripture is using the word, the measure of faith. Now, what I understand about what Paul is saying here is, he's talking about spiritual gifts. And he said, now we should should think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. But we should think soberly. The reason why is because, you see, some of us have been given... Uh, degree or measure of faith. Now, <clears throat> he speaks every man has a measure of faith. Now, I do not believe that it's possible to be saved and not have faith. I think that your faith is predicated upon, I say your faith, your salvation is predicated upon your faith. Now, also, I don't really think there are many people in the world that don't have faith. They have some basic faith in God. Now, the people who are totally void of faith can receive faith quickly from God. I really believe that. Now, as we read on down through here, you will notice uh, when he speaks of spiritual gifts in verse 6, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy, according to the proportion of faith. In other words, your ministry and your gift will be operable in your life according to the measure or percentage of the faith that you have. You can't do something great and outstanding uh, on just a little bit of faith. Now, we see in the Scripture, and Brother Gaminder made reference to this tonight, we see in the Scripture how that Jesus told His disciples that they should accompany him to the other side of the sea. They got out in the middle of the sea and a great storm came. Now when they rose up, when Jesus rose up, he found those disciples standing there and they were trembling. They said, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Now this is what he said to them. O ye of little faith. You know, now the reason why I said what I did about baking up here is because it's been going over and over and over in my mind. Of course, it was saying faith, 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 just a little bit of faith. Faith, 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 just a little bit of faith. You don't need a whole lot. Just use what you got. Now, the thing about it is there are certain things that it takes a whole lot of faith to uh, to see come to pass. But the 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 uh, message in the particular song is you use what you have and if you will use it properly it grows and it will mature and after a while you see uh, you can do anything through Jesus but you see the disciples had a little bit of faith and Jesus told them oh ye of little he didn't say oh ye of no faith he said oh ye of little faith now, if they didn't have faith, they wouldn't even gotten in the boat. See? But they somehow believed. But what happened was, when the storm came, <coughs> pardon me, and it started brewing, uh, all of a sudden, 
the, the small amount of faith they had was just not sufficient to get them to the other side. And so Jesus then rebuked the winds as he said, peace be still. And then he ministered to them. Now we want to talk tonight about your degree or your proportion of faith. Your degree or proportion of faith. Now I have noticed in the scripture that uh, uh, there are certain instructions that are given to us by the Apostle Paul. Now if you turn to Philippians, the third chapter... Just follow along with me, if you will, in a few passages of Scripture before we uh, give an explanation to what I think that the Apostle is really trying to say. In Philippians, I said uh, 3, didn't I? I believe this is chapter 4. Philippians 4, verse 8. Now he says, finally, brethren. Now the reason why he says finally, in other words, we need to make a summary of all of this. Now if you notice in, in passing through chapter 3, there are certain terms that are used, certain phrases that are used. Uh, chapter 2, uh, the same continuity, it flows throughout the book. Well, just for an example, verse 5 of chapter 2 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself... And became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now, <clears throat> notice what he says. We need to let the mind that was in in Christ be in us. Verse 3, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowness of mind let each esteem other better than himself. He constantly talk about he talks about boldness in the Lord by by uh, thinking right and by by having the mind of the Lord in you. Uh, boldness to a great degree, a true boldness, a healthy boldness that the apostles prayed for, comes through not arrogancy, but uh, it comes through humility. You know, you can reach the point where uh, you're, you're just not uh, too concerned about your ego. And so as a result, then people don't really... They don't hurt you so much with their words. And so uh, when you think of yourself properly, you can, you can just step out and, and you can declare boldly the Word of God. Uh, and it doesn't make any difference then what people say because it, it doesn't hurt you so badly. But you'll find a lot of people who have particular complexes and such and they have a great ego that if they declare the Word of God, they have to declare it with such arrogancy uh, and the reason why, they've got to put everybody down. Because if they don't do it that way, uh, they, they end up hurt too much. You know, people rise up against them. And this is the reason why, you know, they get red in the face and they're ready to knock somebody's nose off of them. And, and uh, they just can't do it right. See? So, 
When he says, finally, brethren, what he's saying is, <clears throat> in order for all these things to happen that we're talking to you about in this particular letter, here is the summary of it all, okay? Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, what does he say? Think on these things. Think on these things. What he's doing here, he's saying, in order to be the way you ought to be, you've got to have some discipline in your mind. And I really think that discipline in a person's mind is one of the greatest assets to the cultivation and the maturity of faith that uh, you can possibly have. You just become whatever you think. If you start uh, reading negative things all the time, uh, you're going to have a lot of fear. There's a lot of fear that comes to you. I made the statement to new converts and to the new ones who are here. You know, my suggestion to you about reading materials is this, that you be very, very careful about what you feed your mind on. You can go to uh, Christian bookstores, those that are labeled Christian, and you can get yourself a lot of books, but you can get yourself a lot of books that are not really good or healthy for you. And I tell people, do not be reading books about the devil and the power of the devil. You see, if you keep your mind on the devil and the power of the devil, you so structure yourself and you become vulnerable to his particular attacks. See? But if you want to have a life and a heart that's full of faith, then you've got to think of the good things of the Lord. Now, for this reason then, that in 1 Corinthians, the second chapter, <clears throat> the Apostle Paul dressing, addressing rather this, uh, what should we say, very carnal church, but yet a very uh, powerful church as far as numbers are concerned. In 1 Corinthians 2, verse 1 and 2, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. In other words, I didn't come just trying to put on a big show. I didn't just see how well I could put it together. I didn't talk to you about, about a diversified uh, uh, number of subjects. Uh, I wasn't trying to impress you at all about how much I knew about the things of the world. Now the reason why I believe that he's saying this because of his next statement. For I am determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. You'll find that when the apostles preach, they preach very, very simple sermons. And, and they were Christ-centered. They talked about the Lord and what God could do. And they talked about His power. <clears throat> now the reason why that I feel that so many people had faith as a result is because they gave them faith. 
You see, when Paul says, I am determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. You see, he is really following the, the instructions of the Lord when he said, If thine eye be single, then the whole body is full of light. Now when he says, If thine eye be single, what he is really saying, you see, the eye is the window of the soul, according to the book of Proverbs. And so as a result, what the situation is that if your interests are too broad and you get too many things coming into your soul, it does what? It kills your faith. There has to be a oneness of purpose in the individual. Now, I think that everybody ought to be uh, doing a number of things with your families, <coughs> pardon me, with the family of God, <coughs> which is not altogether in the line of Bible study. You, you understand what I'm saying? I think the game room is healthy. But I want to say this. Now, if that game room, if there's more people start showing up in that game room and in that prayer room, we're going to close that game room. Now, I'm just going to tell you that ahead of time. You know, really it would have been nice if we'd have held prayer out in the vestibule tonight. You know, of course, everybody has to go through the vestibule to get to church. But that's as far as a lot of us got. Now, I include myself, and the reason why is because I got so many questions and asked me before I got downstairs. But it bothered me. It really bothered me. And I went in my office, and, and, and it's been bothering me all service. See, I think that prayer room is a very, very important thing. And it's all right to, to hunt and fish and have hobbies and such. But you see, what happens is when the window of the soul is open and exposed to too many things, and your conversation is dominated by, look what I did, and look what I'm doing, look what I'm doing here, and look what about this, and what about that. And after a while, it's not centered around the church or around God, but around yourself, you see. Then you can expect your faith to, to, to nosedive. You can expect that. And you can expect it to, to level off somewhere around zero on the bottom. But if you keep your mind on the Lord, see, and keep your eyes single so that there is a oneness of purpose in your life, see, and any of your fellowship that's not Christ-centered needs to be cut out. And any of your activities that cannot glorify God, it needs to be cut out. It just simply needs to be cut out. And I know that I've been with people... And they have made this statement. They'd say, you know, brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so that uh, <clears throat> used to do this or used to do that, and they make reference to some somebody maybe in years past. I was with them, and, you know, all they knew how to talk about is Jesus. Now, it's great to be able to talk about Jesus, but I think that people ought to be able to talk about a few other things. Now, I don't really think that's very complimentary, really. Now, that does not mean that, that uh, you know, that, uh, that uh, you become so heavenly minded that you're of no earthly value. You know, you've got to talk about pain in your kitchen. And you've got to talk about food that you buy. But uh, there are some people that outside of <coughs> a structured Bible study, they don't really know how to talk about Jesus. And there are some men that if you went up to them... Maybe someplace and just, well, praise the Lord. Isn't the Lord good? God's been so good to me. Let me tell you what happened. You know, it would embarrass them. Now, <clears throat> I have never seen anybody that 
uh, was this way, that uh, God really used them. Why doesn't He use them? Because, you see, when they were dealt a measure of faith, it did not grow and mature as it should. And so, as a result, their faith is just non-productive. Just plain non-productive. So, when Peter said that we should gird up the loins of our mind and also bring every thought into captivity, uh, what he's really saying is that there has to be some discipline in the mind in order for the individual to have the faith that he needs to have. You cannot go around and keep your thing, your mind on the things of the world all the time. And uh, even if it's, uh, if it's, if it's church-related, like... I said before, read books on how to deal with the devil. Most people don't know how to deal with God, let alone the devil. See? And if you want to know how to deal with God, get in your Bible. See? The Bible says, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And I think the reason why that the apostles could really give people faith is that their messages were quite simple, but they were totally Christ-centered. They talked about faith and what Jesus could do and and so forth. Now, you'll find this to be true. If you start talking about revival, you start seeing revival. You may say, you mean just through talking? Now, how can just talking about revival... Bring revival because you become a product of what you keep your mind on. And you see, you talk about revival, you talk about and you start believing. Now, let me just reverse this before we go any further. There are some people that can, maybe something bad can happen to them. See? And then they just get to thinking that they're a born loser. Have you ever heard that? See? Now, somebody just told me that today. Now, not many of you know who told me that, so we're not going to try to embarrass anybody. But, you know, all you got to do is tell yourself that a few times, and you know what's going to happen? You're going to start losing. You, I mean, you gear yourself. You, you just really think that, well, nothing good's ever happened to me. And, you know, every now and then I can get in a, I'm in a bad mood. Now, when I get extremely tired and I've worked hard and I still see work that needs to be done, Sometimes I can get in a bad mood. Now, i got to tell you, Sister Grant is a blessed one as far as I'm concerned. She is a blessing to me. Now, I came back from that minister's meeting, and you're talking about tired, and, and we went straight over to the Wittenbox in such a beautiful time we had over there. But when I got home, I was just tired to a fare you well. Whatever that means. <laughs> anyway, that means I was really tired. And so uh, I just saw a number of things that being gone that, that needed to have been done and, and so forth. And I just got, uh, oh, I don't know. I just kind of got down and out. I mean, I really was down and out. And so my wife said, you know, hon, you, you, know, you can't think like this. I, mean, there's gonna, I wanted to just jump in and do all the work that needed to be done. And here I was tired. I got up early. I taught three hours. We came home, went to the banquet. I came home and I said, well, what am I going to do? i got to do all this work. He said, you can't do all this work. But I've got to. And I just got in this, well, just this uh, negative mood. 
Now, I was in that negative mood. Then I got down and I tried to pray. Now, you try to pray when you feel that the whole world is wrong. And you're wrong with it. <clears throat> I'm serious with you. See? And I tried to pray and you know what? I couldn't even raise my voice hardly. I really couldn't. I just, I just couldn't get with it. I just plain couldn't get with it. And so uh, we stopped and prayed and we talked a while and then we prayed again. Well, the second time was a whole lot better because uh, I just kind of resigned my position as, uh, as the snow shoveler and, uh, and the garage sweeper and all of the things that I saw that needed to be done. And I said, man, it's midnight now and, and <laughs> nobody can see all this at midnight anyway. Nobody's going to be walking over the sidewalk except maybe Debbie, you know. And, uh, <clears throat> and so, uh, <clears throat> but and, and you know what I'm saying, you know. <clears throat> I'm sorry about that. But, but really, i tell you what. But after I just kind of put it all aside, I got to feeling real good. But see, as long as I was in that particular thought pattern, you see, and if you don't, now notice what Paul is saying, okay? He said that we need to do what? We need to think on these things. What kind of things should we think on? What did he say? Whatsoever things that are true. All right. We need to think of the truth. Praise God. I mean true things, things that are real, things that you have uh, evidence of. Whatsoever things are honest. You know, you can read something in the paper. Uh, I read in the paper after I got home about a couple of people who were uh, elderly people who uh, certain individuals here in the city ripped them off for, I think I saw in the paper where one person was ripped off for, what was it, $3,500? Did you read that? You see, I thought, I thought a sister... Uh, Ella, because she's 85, and this person was 85, didn't say who it was. But at any rate, uh, uh, some man told this elderly lady that they were a bank examiner and uh, that she should go to Monona Grove and withdraw, Monona Grove State Bank, where we do our banking, where the bake sale is going to be held. And, uh, and you, you need to, to uh, uh, withdraw X number of dollars, I forget it, for 3600 or 5600 or whatever, and... Uh, he walked down the street to a certain location and give me the money, and we're going to catch we're going to catch the person in the bank who's who's dishonest. Well, the truth of the matter is that the man just took the money, was going to pick up the lady and take her back home. That's what he told her. And uh, when he got her money, he never showed up in the car. And here is this elderly lady sitting out or standing out on the sidewalk in the cold, waiting for somebody to pick her up, and they're long gone. Now, I think it's all right to stay abreast of things and read things like that in the paper. Or that's given to us for a particular reason. But it's a very dishonest thing. And you know what can happen sometimes? We can read about murders and we can read about particular things. And I've heard a lot of people say, you know, if he'd have just done this and he'd have done that, this is what it, he, he could have gotten by and, and so forth and so on. And I've worked with gentlemen say that. Two or three days later, they're still saying, you know, I've been thinking about that crime since that happened. And, and so forth and so on. Now, if he'd have just done this, and you ever hear the perfect crime, and they go through all this and through all that. And, and i tell you the truth now, I, 
The reason why that I don't do a lot of extra uh, reading outside the Bible is because that so much of it is so negative. And, uh, you know, there's just a lot of that stuff. You know, all of these detective books, and now that may be interesting to you, but uh, to find out how somebody got ripped off doesn't really excite me that much. That's just the way I am. Now, I'm going to read my handyman magazine and and the newspapers and a few things like that, but to fall through a lot of these stories, and, and there are people who have just stacks of books. I have really never seen, listen to me, I have really never seen a person who was red hot, on fire, teaching Bible studies, winning souls, uh, having great revival in their own personal life that did a whole lot of extra reading outside of the Bible. Now you may say, well, Brother Grant, I am one person that reads all time more out of books and detectives and love stories and things like that than I do my Bible, and I've got a great revival going. Now if that's happening, we want to give you special time to come up here and tell us how you do it. You know, you know, maybe while you're reading about somebody getting ripped off and, and all about this and somebody being murdered or whatever, maybe you're maybe deep down in the crevices of your mind you're saying, but oh, if he only knew Jesus, if he'd just start repenting, if he'd give his heart to God. Maybe that's how you do it. I'm not for sure. See? <clears throat> but you see, God has given to every man a measure of faith. And, and you'll find out that, that when the church, and you know, we go through uh, particular stages. We really go through particular stages. We'll go through a stage in which a lot of people start receiving their healing. But it's usually when everybody's talking about healing. See? And, and we see people get the Holy Ghost when everybody's talking about the Holy Ghost. You remember when Pat Berger was baptized in Jesus' name? A lot of you don't remember Pat. You've come into the church before. You don't even know her. You've come into the church after Pat and Chuck Berger were here. They were a very excited couple about the Lord. And he was a, uh, I think he was in the Air Force, wasn't he? Air Force man. They're now living over in, in London, England. But uh, they were with us for a while while he was stationed here in, in Madison. But I remember a lady inviting uh, Pat to, to come to church. So Pat comes to church, and this lady is a member of another uh, organization that is considered to be Pentecostal, but they do not teach people that it is necessary to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It's all right to receive it, but you don't have to, you know. It's just kind of a, an optional thing. It's like when you buy a car. You can get a real nice chrome package on it, or you can get just a plain stripped-down model. So so Christianity, per se, is just the plain old normal stripped-down car without the FM cassette uh, chrome wire wheel, uh, you know, tinted window package. But uh, when you get the Holy Ghost, you know, I mean, you got the wire wheels, uh, heavy-duty bumper, tinted windows, uh, cassette, uh, FM uh, that's optional. See, that's the Holy Ghost. That's the option. That, in other words, that puts the real chrome on the car. That's that puts the cream on the cake. That's the class in Christianity. Now, if you can find that in the Bible, I'll eat the whole Bible. <clears throat> now you can. I mean, you cannot find that type of vernacular. 
when Paul went down to those men at Ephesus, here was his question. His first question. Have you received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? Now you see, he understood that they had basic faith in God. They would not be doing what they were doing. And what he was doing, he was testing. He was trying to find out where is the measure of your faith. Now they said, we have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. He knew then they could not believe in something they had not heard of. See? Now he begins to give them faith. And he said, now, unto what then were you baptized? They said, unto John's baptism. Oh, but wait a minute. He had to have a starting point. He said, but John said, there's one mightier than I coming after me whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. And he said, that is, you should believe on Christ Jesus. Now, John really said, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Now, what happened because these people were honest, because they were sincere, because they had a measure of faith, Then all of a sudden they heard the word of the Lord. And faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by the word of the Lord. Their faith increased. And the Bible says when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul laid his hands upon them. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. Their faith began to grow and materialize. And so when we baptize Pat in the tank, this lady from this other optional Holy Ghost, uh, you know, denomination, she came in the back room and right there in the tank, would you believe that that Pat Berger lifted her hands and received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and she talked in tongues? I'll tell you, she magnified God. She splattered water all over the ceiling, all over the place. So this lady watched her for a while and she got out of the tank, went in the dressing room. The lady shook my hand. She said, you know, uh, I got it all figured out. I said, oh? She said, yeah, I was talking to my husband and I told him this. You know, I'll tell you the secret. See, she said, uh, we don't really believe that you need to, that you have to receive the Holy Ghost. Uh, we just think that you can receive it. And she said, uh, but I got to thinking now, how come in Calvary Gospel Church, uh, everybody there's got the Holy Ghost? She said, now over our church, she said, we don't have very many people with the Holy Ghost. She said, and I told my husband that, and we thought, well, uh, let's just give some thought to that. So we discussed it. For, you know what she said? Pastor Grant tells them they can and they believe it. (laughs) Praise God. That's what she said. And so everybody here has a Holy Ghost. And she said, over our church, they say you don't have to. We don't talk about it much, so we don't get it. That's exactly right. Praise God. I say, that's exactly right. Praise God, praise God, praise God. So we talk about the Holy Ghost. And if you're here and you don't have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you can receive the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And praise God. Praise God.
God, praise God, praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You know, but you see, now you put the negative approach on it. You know, do I have to receive the Holy Ghost? What do you mean, do I have to? You know, the positive approach is, oh, you mean I get to receive it, I can have it? See, that's the positive approach. You see, that's that's the approach of faith. I can have it because the Word of God tells me I can have it. Praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And you know, this is not only true of the Holy Ghost, but this is true of almost anything. Praise God. There are people who go to the doctor, and I'm not criticizing them going to the doctor, but when I equate what happens many times, this is, this is what happens. People go to the doctor, and then, then they say, uh, you know, uh, do you think Jesus can heal me? That's kind of a negative thing, isn't it? They say, well, I went to the doctor because I was sick, and I prayed, and I sought the Lord, and, 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 and you know, I, I just... Uh, uh, I just, uh, do you think Jesus can really heal? Do you think Jesus wants to heal me? Well, well you see, the, the whole problem with that is it's too negative. It's too negative. I mean, you see, when you ask a question like that, there's two ways it can be answered. It can be answered yes and it can be answered no. But you see, the Bible says all the promises of God are yes and no. <laughs> it does not say that, Brother Phoenix, does it? That's right. It says, all the promises of God are yea and amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. See, it's not yes and no. What is saying, the answer to all the promises of God is yes and the second is yes also. Praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. So it's, so it's not do you think Jesus can heal me? It should be I believe that Jesus can heal me. Praise God. But here I am sitting in the doctor's office and I'm not healed. Then what's wrong with me? Well... Somebody said you're sick. <laughs> Instead of thinking negatively, and I'm not trying to condemn anybody for going to the doctor. Please understand, I would, I would never do that. But what I am trying to say is this. Instead of saying, do you think Jesus can heal me? I mean, take the faith you have and start building upon it and say, I know that the promises of God are yea and they are amen. Jesus Christ was wounded for my transgression. Jesus Christ was bruised for my iniquity. And Jesus Christ was striped that I might be healed. And build up your faith in God. Praise God. Praise God. You talk Holy Ghost. People will get the Holy Ghost. And you know, this is the reason why that it is so imperative when you're teaching a search for truth class, you talk the Holy Ghost and talk the Holy Ghost and talk the Holy Ghost and talk the Holy Ghost. And and when you're praying, pray about the Holy Ghost. God, I want you to fill this person with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. 
fill my student with your spirit, O God. And when you're walking in the course of the day and you're bumping shoulders with the world, keep your mind upon the Lord. My student can receive the power of the Holy Ghost. My student will receive the power of the Holy Ghost. All the promises of God are not yes and no, but they're yea and they're yea. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise God. You start talking about miracles and expecting miracles, and this is when miracles come. Praise God. It just works that way. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God. I don't know how you feel right now, but I believe the Lord wants to give somebody here the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And if you start believing, if you start believing that it's you, then you'll receive it. So you need to start saying, it's me God wants to fill with the Holy Ghost. It's me that God wants a miracle to flow through. It's me that God wants to heal. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I need it, I want it. It belongs to me. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Let's lift our hands and worship the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You know, <clears throat> oh, hallelujah! Praise God! Praise God! Praise God! You want to receive the Holy Ghost? Lift your hands right now and let the Lord fill you with the Holy Ghost. Praise God! Oh, hallelujah! 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 Glory! 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 Hallelujah! 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 Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, glory, 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 glory. Praise God, praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Now, let me... Let me just talk to you a few more, more moments. We're not ready to just uh, stop right now. Now, if you're here and you don't have the Holy Ghost, you can receive it. You need to believe God that you can. If you need a healing, God can heal you. If you don't have Bible salvation, Jesus Christ can give you Bible salvation. You know, I, I preached a funeral just a month or so ago for a man who had committed suicide. At his, at his funeral, I got there was a little early. Uh, naturally, being the pastor, I got there early. I did not know the man. I never met him in my life. But uh, he had gone down in the basement of his home and hung himself. And uh, at his funeral, his mother-in-law uh, slipped in the office where I was and asked me, said, do you think we can start the funeral early? And I said, uh, well, I said, it's kind of difficult because uh, it has been advertised or announced in the paper that uh, the funeral will be at, uh, I believe it was 11 o'clock in the morning. I said, it's only 10. It's going to be very difficult. I said, uh, what about all of the, the friends and 
And right away I detected something in, in the whole atmosphere of, of this family. Uh, <clears throat> she said, oh, but uh, he didn't have any friends. I said, oh, surely, son. Oh, not one friend. And that's what you told me. <clears throat> so I said, well, <clears throat> maybe I should uh, talk with the, the uh, funeral director and also with his wife. She said, oh, that, that, that'd be all right, but I'll assure you there, there won't be anybody here but us because, well, you know, we, we just don't have any friends. And so uh, <clears throat> I went and talked with his wife, and she said, that's, that's true. She said, uh, it'd be all right to go ahead and start. We're all here. Nobody's going to come in. We don't, we don't have any friends. You know, uh, <clears throat> just no friends. So uh, I talked to the funeral director, and I said, that's hard for me to believe. He said, well, I haven't seen anybody up here but just, just the immediate family and yourself. Uh, <clears throat> so I talked with the landlord, and the landlord told me, he said, you know, he's just kind of withdrawn and doesn't talk much to anybody. And, and uh, <clears throat> then the pastor down in, in, in uh, Florida where he attended, he attended a, a church in Florida where he was baptized and received the Holy Ghost. He said the problem with this whole family is that uh, uh, they just don't have any friends and they, they, just, they just think that they're just real losers. Now... <clears throat> You know, as far as I can see, probably that particular attitude was responsible for this man buying that rope and going down in the basement of his home and hanging himself. It was a sad thing. I said, I, I stood beside of his casket there. You could see the rope mark around his neck. Uh, it must have been cut in like a half an inch and where it came up here. His children sat there and wept and cried and talked to their dad. And, and of course, dad was in eternity. It's a sad thing to know that that uh, this man could fling himself into the hands of God, uh, unprepared really to meet God, uh, simply because that he, he just couldn't get his thinking right. Just uh, everything's bad. There's nothing, nothing worth living for. You know, just uh, just everything's bad. That's sad. Now, we have not been successful in getting the family out to church. I hope that we, that we can. But uh, you'll find a lot of people that way. But you know, there's such a thing as spiritual suicide, too. See, Judas went and hung himself <clears throat> because he just felt that he, he, just, uh, he betrayed the Lord and he had innocent blood on his hands and betrayed the Lord with a kiss. He went to uh, bought a rope and, or got a rope, secured a rope, tied, him, tied around a tree and hung himself. But people can commit spiritual suicide. And they can do that simply because that, that uh, they just get this feeling that... I've actually talked to people that said, you believe Jesus wants to heal me? Well, do you think that he took all those stripes upon his back for nothing? I've even talked to some people who said, you believe that Jesus Christ wants to forgive me of my sins? Do you think that Jesus Christ hung upon the cross and suffered the way he suffered just for fun? No. And I've talked to others said, do you believe that Jesus really wants to give me the Holy Ghost? See, see, the problem's not in Jesus. The problem's in you. Right. See? Now you may say, but I don't have, yes, you have some faith. 
Because every man is dealt a measure of faith. Now, I really believe that. If you just start thinking positively and, and gird up the loins of your mind and bring your thoughts into captivity and think on the right things, you're going to find that that faith is going to start growing inside of you. And, and the whole reason why that people get carnal is because that they don't keep their mind disciplined to think on the good things of God. So after a while, their, their faith just goes right down to zero. You know, it just... It keeps emptying out and emptying out, and, and they have nothing. You know, <clears throat> one of the greatest problems that I have in the fall of the year is raking my leaves. You know, I have got more leaves because I've got more trees, see? And trees have leaves. And uh, they just start falling in the, in the fall of the year. And I've had a lot of people come by and help me rake leaves. The young people went out last year and raked leaves. Brother Felix, a year before, raked leaves for me. Uh, this year, nobody volunteered. But, <laughs> no. Uh, but, you know, the biggest problem I have is, is you rake leaves. I mean, you get tons of leaves, and you rake them two or three times. Now, my son Steve, uh, who I credit to be a very hard worker, has, has kept up with the lawn as much as possible. But he goes to school right now. He's working. Steve is a very disciplined boy. Uh, Steve gets up in the morning probably an hour before his dad or mother. He washes his clothes, and he's got them all fixed up, and and uh, he's milling around, and I'm wondering why I can't sleep, see, because he keeps bumping into things. And, but he's just this type of boy. Now, usually, now, now John, uh, you could go shake him two or three times. He'd get out. Uh, Roy, you had to tie a rope and, and uh, drag him out of bed, you know. <laughs> But, but Steve just pops right out of the bed. Now, I don't know how. He sets his alarm, and he sets his alarm like 6 o'clock and, and uh, sometimes 5. And, and uh, we went someplace the other morning, Steve and I. Uh, we got up at 6 o'clock. At least that's when I got up. And, uh, and I noticed he was all dressed when I got up. And when I asked him, I said, son, what time did you get up? He said, 4 o'clock. I said, what are you doing getting up at 4? He said, I had homework, Dan. And he got up at four and he did that homework. Now, the thing about it, what I was telling here about the leaves, he gets out and he rakes all these leaves up, see? Okay. And uh, we uh, sometimes, in raking the leaves, we'll say, well, now tomorrow <clears throat> we'll pick them all up because we don't have enough time. See, it's getting dark. And so we got these huge piles of leaves, okay? Tomorrow it's raining. Well, you just don't pick up leaves when it rains, see? And then the next day it's raining. And then the next day you're busy. And the next day you're doing something else. And then the sun comes out. And what happens is you get around about a week later to picking up the leaves. Now, you know what happens when you leave huge piles of leaves in your yard over a long period of time? You pick it up and you know there's not even any grass underneath there. And there's nothing there. And the reason why is because the light has not been able to shine through the darkness of this cloud that's over. And so as a result, the grass begins to die. And you know, that's exactly the way your faith is. You see? If you don't find ways to dissipate the cloud and let the, let the light of God shine into your soul, your, your faith will die just like the grass will die. But I'll tell you one thing, friend. If you keep the clouds moved away by thinking right and acting right and feeling right and let the light of God shine, 
You're going to have a healthy, proper faith inside of your soul. And it's going to keep growing and growing and growing. Praise God. And still the grass being greener over at some other church. The grass is green right where you are. Praise God. I don't have to run. I don't have to run down to Miracle Valley, Arizona for a miracle. I can have a miracle right now because I'm living in the green pastures right here. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise God. Let's lift our hands again and worship the Lord. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. So how do I receive the Holy Ghost, Brother Grant? By just believing that Jesus Christ will give it to you. That's how you receive it. Will He really give me the Holy Ghost? You know what Jesus said in Luke 13? He said, I believe it's Luke 11, pardon me. This is what He had to say. He said, now... If you go to your father and you ask of him for bread, would he for bread give you a stone? And he said, if you go to your father and you ask for an egg, will he give you a scorpion? Scorpion? And, and then he went on down and said, now if you go and ask for a fig, would he for a fig give you a thistle? He said, no, he would not dare do that. He, Jesus then said, but your father being earthly, if he knows how to give good gifts to men, how much more shall your heavenly father know how to give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Praise God. And while you're praying, while you're praying for the Holy Ghost, You've got to believe that Jesus Christ wants to give you the Holy Ghost. You've got to believe that. Praise God. And all you need to do is just put your faith right in God and say, I'm going to put my faith in God. I'm going to let the light of the Son of God shine in my soul. The clouds will dissipate and my faith will grow. Praise God. And I can receive what I want to receive. Now for our closing remarks tonight before we have a real Holy Ghost rally around the front. I want you to turn to Mark the ninth chapter. And there is just a real honest confession that's made by man. Yeah, it's such a beautiful one. (laughs) Praise God. Praise God. There was a man who had a child, and his child was evidently possessed, the Bible says, with a dumb spirit. He could not talk nor hear. He was deaf and dumb. And so this man pushed his way into the crowd, and uh, he finally made his way to Jesus. And he told Jesus, said, uh, I have a son. And said, uh, he's been this way for a long time. Now, what happens is that every now and then, he starts tearing himself. He starts foaming and gnashing with his teeth. 
he starts pining away. And she just just back and forth. He's just pacing, pining, and I got a problem. Jesus said, Well, give me a little progress report. He said, Well, the thing about it is I took him to your disciples and and they uh, prayed for him and nothing happened. I mean nothing. Now you can't say those disciples didn't have faith in God. They had some faith in God. They wouldn't be following Jesus if they didn't have faith in God. But you see, their faith was not to the level in which they could cast this evil spirit out. See? Now, <clears throat> that, uh, that, is really, that really should not be a real embarrassing thing to any preacher or to any saint. But you need to be honest enough to just confess it. Now, the reason why I say this, because Jesus then told his disciples, he said, you know, uh, this kind of thing goeth out not but by fasting and prayer. Now, all the praying and all the fasting in the world wouldn't do it. But Jesus said it doesn't come about but just that way. You see, prayer and fasting, prayer is your communication to God. Fasting disciplines yourself. If you can discipline yourself to really pray, you're going to find that your faith begins to grow. It happens according to your faith. And the reason I know is because if, if you look in verse 23, Jesus said unto him, that's the Father, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Now, <clears throat> here's this man. Now, he had brought this son there. Now, do you think that this man had faith in God? He had to had to have had some faith in God to even make the journey there. There was dealt to him a measure, a proportion of faith. It was there. But Jesus said, if thou canst believe, all things are possible. Now, notice what happened, though, in verse 24. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said, with tears. Now with tears. In other words, he was desperate. He was very sincere. He said, Lord, I believe. Now why did he say that? Because he did believe. Because he was following Jesus. He even saw that group of Believing disciples gather around his child and pray for him. He recognized that they believed too. But the evidence of deliverance just wasn't there. My son is still tearing himself. He still can't talk. He still can't hear. There's no evidence of deliverance. So he said, Lord, I comprehend what you're saying. Lord, I believe, but not much. I guess I don't have enough, and I don't guess those men over there. So he said, Lord, I believe, but help mine unbelief. In other words, I got faith, I 
why I'm here. But I don't know why I'm without faith. So God, I want a miracle. I'm sincere. I want you to help my unbelief. What a true confession that fell from the mouth of a father that wanted to see his son delivered. And Jesus heard the testimony, saw the honesty of this man, and he went to his child and charged the devil to come out of his child. And his child was delivered that self-same hour. Praise God. Why? Jesus told the Father, if you believe all things are possible. This man said, I believe. But not quite enough. But here I am, O God, help mine unbelief. In other words, speak to me, God. Give me the promises. Build up faith in me. Give me the courage that I need. Praise God. And when you're praying for people to receive the Holy Ghost, this is exactly what you need to do. You need to encourage them. Build up their faith. Talk to them about Scripture. If you're praying for people who are sick, tell them that Jesus Christ can heal. Did you know you can take a rank sitter on the streets and start talking to him on the job about the Bible? After a while, you'll find out he'll start quoting some Scripture. Why? Because faith starts building up in his heart also. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. You want the Holy Ghost tonight? Right in your mind right now, just start believing that Jesus Christ will give you the Holy Ghost. If you're full of fear, start believing that those fears will dissipate as the clouds when the sunlight of God shines upon it. Praise God. Believe that all the promises of God are yea and they're amen. Whatever you need are tonight, you've got to believe that Jesus Christ is alive and that He's real and that He's able to do it. Praise God. You know, Jesus Christ is not in some far-off planet someplace. He walks right among us. He said, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. He's not the God of ours. He's the God of your heart. He's not the Savior of Jupiter. He's the Savior of the world, the earth. Praise God. And He walks right here. And He talks right here. And He's ministering right here. Praise God. And if you'll just raise your hands and say, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. He's going to say, I'm going to give you some more. 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 Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, glory. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Everybody stand right now, would you? Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Everybody stand right now, hallelujah. How many of you need the Holy Ghost? How many of you need the Holy Ghost? Simply because we need a little more room to pray with you. And what we have at the pew, I'm going to ask you to just come and stand. Different, uh, different ones in different places. Praise God. Some of you come over here and stand. Sister Betty, we want to see you receive the Holy Ghost tonight. She was baptized here a while ago, and she wants to receive the Holy Ghost. Just come over here and stand. Now, you sisters that believe that Jesus Christ can fill Betty Braisman with the Holy Ghost, you come over here. Praise God. 
Praise God. And here's a lady standing here. You that believe that she can be filled with the Holy Ghost, come and stand by her right here. Hallelujah. Sister Ella, we want you to come. Tim, that's good. Why don't you just stand up? Tim's been praying repenting already. Now, if you have not repented of your sins, then find a place to kneel and pray. But if you have already repented and you've been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, just stand and pray and believe right now. Sister Ella, why don't you come way over here on the other side? There's a place for her to be seated. She is weak. Just let her sit right down on the altar. Praise God. Anybody else want the Holy Ghost? Listen, God's able to give you the Holy Ghost right here tonight. Lift your hands right now and start believing. Now start giving these people faith. Give them faith. Talk to them. Tell them about the promises of God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Like the Bible. 